Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. Hope you're having a great week. This week we're going to do something a little bit different with the podcast. What we're going to do is uh, you send in your questions. What I did is I just went through the questions you sent. I selected five of them and we're going to hit them in sort of rapid fire format. Not rapid, rapid, but pretty rapid. Just go through them. Uh, if you have a question you want to ask us uh, or a subject that you think would make an interesting podcast or something you'd like to know more about or you just want to hear me riff on it, send us an email at therapy at wearepickleball.com. So the word therapy, which is the name of our podcast, right? Therapy at wearepickleball.com. And we'll do our best to get it answered. This week, we picked, again, five questions. I'm going to answer them in rapid-fire order. The um, I'm, going to, I'm going to... uh, uh, uh not share the names of the of the email senders to protect the innocent out there. Just kidding. Just I'm going to get into the questions and go through them. So first question we got was, what to do when players are basically talking, analyzing, just trying to figure everything out during the game? Uh, you know, so it's interrupting the flow of the game basically is the question. So what do you do in that situation? That can be very tricky, right? That's an interesting question. It can be tricky. Obviously, there's personal relationship. Uh, to consider a friendship, things like that. What I would do probably is this might be an area where if you basically do it back, they'll get the idea. Now, I wouldn't do it directly back, meaning, you know, they analyze, so I analyze, and so now we're, you know, just analyzing. What I would do is something different at the same time that they're analyzing, meaning, or here's my suggestion. So there's, you know, every time, you know, the, the, the rally ends, they start talking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I know they're going to go for a bit. Me and my partner, we go off the court and we get some water and we start chatting and whatever. And then they'll look at you weird, like, why are you leaving the court? And then you can politely say to them, hey, well, it seemed like you guys, you know, wanted to talk about it. So we're just going to, you know, we're standing on the court. It's kind of boring out there. So we're just going to come over here, have some water and have some conversation. And what will happen is eventually they'll get the idea that, wait a minute, we're, we're the ones interrupting the flow. Because now what you're doing is you're doubling down and you're interrupting the flow doing the water thing. So try that out. I think that would, would, would give them the message. So that's, that's the recommendation on that one. All right, we got another question that talked a little bit about the difference between ages and when you're playing. So like, you know, uh, being like, say like 60 versus 40 or 60 versus 80 and things like that. But at the end, the real conversation, I think, of the, or the real crux of the question was, is, it, is this game becoming a game of spin and power, Right. I would say the answer is yes and no. What I mean by that is that, yes, you're going to see more spin. You're going to see more power players come in because, you know, there's a lot of tennis transitioning in and that's what works for them and that's what they're going to try and do. Now, does that mean that pickleball is all about uh, just spin and power? And the answer is going to be no. And the reason for that is because even though they're hitting with spin and power, you have a choice to whether you want to do that or you want to use a soft game approach going back the other way. And if you want to use a soft game approach, um, it's going to be very difficult for them to play a fully hard game if you can bring them into the soft game, which you can force by using the soft game. Now, a corollary to that is you got to let the outballs go. You don't let the outballs go. Hmm, very difficult when you're playing bangers out there. So that's the answer. It's a yes and no. Yes, more of it, but no. It's no in terms of it being a strategy that overrides the soft game strategy. All right, next question. We all have a friend or family member who wants to know more about pickleball, and we want to help them. After all, we want to help them join this awesome sport. 
CJ and I have put together a getting started guide as well as a beginner video course. It's at no cost because we want to help you help new players play pickleball the right way from the beginning. I'm going to link to it below. Share our beginner course with anybody you know who wants to play pickleball and let's grow the sport together. Basically, how do I know my level, right? What, you know, how can I figure out my level? Now, I'm going to suggest to you that finding out your level, unless you need it for some reason, you're playing in a league, uh, you're going to sign up for a tournament, something like that, figuring out your level just to figure out the level, hmm, what's the point of that, right? You're still going to be the player you are. And I don't mean that as a criticism, it's just a fact. You're going to play at whatever level you're currently playing at in actuality on the court, no matter what number you ascribe to yourself. If you need a level, right, there's a reason you actually need a level. The best and most reliable way to actually come up with a number for yourself is to play players of different levels. And I'm talking about benchmark players. So we all know enough players out there to have some players who have played tournaments. So say you know somebody in your community who played a 3-5 tournament and got a gold medal or got any or medaled or did well, right? They just didn't get blown out. Okay, they're like a 3-5. So I'm going to play with them and then see how it goes. If I look like them when I play, it doesn't matter whether I win or lose. That's not the thing. If I play in a way that looks like they're playing, I'm probably close to a 3-5 and I can use that as my starting, uh, my starting uh, level. So hopefully that helps answer that question. Next question is, how do I focus better on the ball? Particularly on volleys, I think was the question. But basically like the idea is, you know, I'm having trouble focusing. How do I focus on balls or better on the ball? Now, before I answer this, I'm going to put this out there. If you want to get your question answered uh, by us at the, um, you know, in, in, in the Pickleball Therapy podcast, send us an email at therapy at and we'll try and get that answered. And remember always, please share our podcast with other uh, players, other friends of yours, uh, you know, we always say it at the end, and I'm going to say it at the end of this one. If you enjoy the podcast, they probably will too. So how do I focus better on the ball? I focus better on the ball by actually trying to watch the holes on the ball. Watching the ball is one thing, right? That requires a certain amount of attention, a certain amount of focus. But if I focus on the holes of the ball, that's going to be much better for me in terms of my, you know, really paying attention to that ball. And then the next question is uh, pickleball aimed at my feet. So the pickleball aimed at my feet, how do I deal with that, right? And we get this question all the time, not just this time, we get it a lot. I'll tell you two things here. Number one, you want to intercept the ball out in front. So you want to make sure you're getting to the ball early. You just want to put the paddle out there. You don't want to be swinging at that ball, right? You don't want to be taking a big cut at the ball, like pull the paddle back and try and hit it. All you want to do is put your paddle out and try and catch, in quotes, catch the ball. Uh, that's one thing to do. But my bigger suggestion is ask yourself, why are they slamming balls in my feet? What's happening? Right Now, if it's something your partner did or whatever, that's one thing. But if you did it, hmm, maybe there's a better solution than trying to deal with a ball once it's at my feet. Maybe I can, I can do something beforehand. All right, so this is not the end of the podcast. I'm looking at the time counter here, and we got some more time. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back in the bag, get some questions, and I'll be right back. As a pickleball player, you are no doubt working on your game. But are you also working on your vision? 
doesn't it make sense that better vision will lead to better pickleball? Not to mention better night driving. CJ and I rely on the experts at Visual Edge to help us track those balls so we don't ever miss a shot. If you're ready to take your vision and perhaps your game to the next level, join us inside Visual Edge. I'll link to it below. We'll see you inside. So I went back into the bag and I found three more questions waiting for me there. So let's address those. Number one, let's see here. Using Basically watching pro matches, how do I use that to help my learning? A lot of what we do inside the pickleball system in our teaching is game study breakdown. It's a super helpful way of helping you see what's going on on the pickleball court, particularly, you know, initially anyway, when, you know, it's helpful to have us walk you through it, right? Because then we can, we can show it to you ask you some questions, you think about it, and then we show you what we're seeing and you go, oh yeah, I see that too. So the question is, how do I use pro matches to help me learn? Um, there are some things you can do and what, what, uh, what the, the, uh, the uh, listener mentioned was that they use it for, look, they, they did look, use, look at it using the first four shots, right? So we get past four is what we use inside the system. So they were looking at the first four shots. They found that really interesting to watch that in a pro match. The key is if you're going to watch any match, pro or non-pro, is try and focus on one thing, and, and and as you get started on it, it's actually easier to focus on one player, one player only, and one thing they're doing, and kind of look for patterns in what they're doing, see if you can discern whether it's working or not, and then that'll help you see the overall picture. And then you can watch it again and watch another player and another thing and things like that. We also recommend, you know, watching pro matches is fine, but pros are pros. So pros a lot of times don't have the same sort of errors in their game that we do we have in our games. And so maybe watching some 303540 matches is going to be more helpful because then you can actually see more of the errors. They're more common and you'll be able to pick those out because those are the errors that we're looking to correct in our games. Once you're a pro player, definitely study those pro games and figure out what's going on there. Um, all right. So this one is how to deal with the uh, obnoxious player. This was more of a, a comment than a question, a story, but I wanted to share it with you because that can happen, right? You're out there. And you're playing with, you know, there's just a player and, and the way it was framed was just, you know, sucks the joy out of that game, right? Just, just Jesus, you know, not, not this again. And here, what you want to do is exercise your agency, right? You're, if you listen to our podcast, you know, that's something we, that uh, uh, framing that we use a lot, exercise your agency and make a decision as to whether you're going to stay on the court. The listener in this situation actually walked off the court and asked somebody else to take his place because he realized he was getting angry in the situation. So he said, well, you know what? I'm, I don't want to be angry out here. Be angry out here. So he walked, you know, he said somebody else take my place and he just left, which is his choice to do. What, what we recommend, we wrote a blog about this called No Thank You. If you want to read more about it, you can go to wearepickleball.com and check out the blog. I'll put a link in the show notes for it, but check out the, um, the, the No Thank You blog and it'll help you out with that. And you know, I always wonder, like, what would happen if everybody in the in that community did it? Meaning that one player, and everybody knows who they are, right? I mean, it's not like there's a lot of disagreement about a certain player. And I'm talking about the really extreme player here. I'm not talking about levels. I'm not talking about a player who doesn't play well. I'm talking to play or play the way you expect them to. I'm talking about a player who is just just so you know negative and and harmful and things like that. That you know, everybody knows who they are. So what would happen if everybody in that community did the same thing, right? Well, eventually the player would either have to, you know, correct themselves or nobody would ever play with them, right? Now they may have a right to the court for, you know, eight minutes or 10 minutes or however long the games normally last in that area. And that player can go out there and hit some serves or run around the court if they want to, whatever they want to do. But nobody else has to play with that player. 
And so I always find it fascinating to see, you know, it's very rare, right? I always find it interesting because players will generally just succumb to it and feel they have to go out there and play with the player who nobody wants to play with. So just a thought. All right. And then the last question is the, um, it was a question about the three pillars. So if you follow us, you know that we follow, we, we not just follow, we created the three pillars of pickleball, you know, in that format, right? So that it was clear that you have a mechanical, a strategic and an athletic pillar. And so that is a, uh, a framing of pickleball that we are uh, proud to have developed and also something that we think is very helpful for pickleball players. And so we use it in everything that we do. The question was, you know, how do you weight the pillars, right? Do you weight this one like 40 and this one, you know, 30 and 30 or 50 and 25 and 25 or, you know, things like that. What I would suggest is, you know, thinking about the three pillars more instead of like percentages, think about them more like the legs of a stool, if you will, or of a table. You need all three legs, right? If you don't have all three legs, um, the table's going to fall. Now, you may want to say, well, I'm going to make this leg a little stronger than the other leg and things like that. But here's the bottom line. You're only going to play as well as your weakest leg, right? So the table that you've built or the stool that you've built will only hold the weight of the weakest leg. It's not going to, you know, if you have two legs that can hold 200 pounds and one leg that can hold 30 pounds, that stool can only hold 30 pounds. And so, you know, as you think about your game, rather than thinking about it in terms of which one's more important, think about it the other way, which is, you know, which, which pillar of mine is the pillar that is the pillar that needs the most work. So as an example, if you're newer to the game or if you never any and you never came from a, a racket background, so you never played any racket sports in the past, um, mechanical pillar is going to be probably your weakest pillar. And so you spend some time there and strengthen that up. Uh, if you have issues with your focus on the court, your you know, you get upset at yourself, you you know, you end up really being negative and things like that. You know what? Maybe you don't work on the mechanical or the strategic, spend time on the athletic. Uh, and then if you know if you have pretty decent shots, so that pillar is looking pretty good, that leg looks pretty good, and you're okay on the on the mental, and your body's in reasonably decent shape to play pickleball, then you can focus on the strategic pillar. So that's one way to think about it that may be more constructive than trying to figure out which one is more important than the others. So all right, so hope you enjoyed the format of this podcast. Uh, let us know if uh, this was interesting to you this way. We can do more of this, particularly if you ask questions. All right, send us some questions at therapy at wearepickleball.com, and we'll. Reach into the grab bag. Uh, maybe we'll do this once every month or two, depending on whether you like this or not. You know, part of this is me riffing and me talking, but but a lot of this is we do it because you know we want to bring you information that is helpful to you. Uh, our objective is to empower you as pickleball players, uh, not just strategically and and mechanically, right? Not just you know on how to hit the shot and know what shot to hit, but also as human beings. You know, we value your. Uh, your your relationship with us as part of our, our pickleball community and we value you as human beings and know that pickleball is an important part of your lives and so we want to do whatever we can to help empower you and make you feel more confident and comfortable out there and enjoy this amazing sport so that's the again the podcast uh, you know if you like the podcast please rate and review it again let us know what you think about this format and we'll do some more of them have a great week and oh yeah I almost forgot if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with your friends. If you enjoyed it, they probably will too. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.